welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Coming this Tuesday is the Ringer's third annual NBA Palooza, celebrating the tip-off of the 2019-2020 NBA season. Make sure you're subscribed to the Ringer's YouTube channel so you don't miss our day-long live stream, including the premiere of the new season of NBA Desktop, the fourth installment of our Take Hunter series with a surprise twist, the unveiling of the Bill Simmons's Lakers wine bottle team, and a live Ryan Russillo podcast to go along with so much more. Again, you can check all that out at youtube.com slash the ringer. Welcome to Jam Session, a special Monday edition. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. There was a real special last night, so we have to talk about it. Boy, was there. We will discuss that. Also, Jennifer Lawrence got married. We'll discuss that. Jake Gyllenhaal saved an animal. We'll discuss that. <laughs> And, and Rafael Nadal got married also. I'm going to briefly what, talk about that. Weddings galore. But first, let's, of course, dive into the special about Harry and Meghan that was called Harry and Meghan, an African Journey. Okay. So there's problem number one. <laughs> um, we're going to start by asking some questions about this, and then we'll kind of get into more of the nitty gritty of what was actually in it. Amanda, what was this special? The so, biggest question possible. <laughs> what was it? So in the most literal sense, this was an hour-long special on ITV, which is a British network that also aired down Abbey, just in case you want to. So and crucially, yeah. the wedding of Eugenie, Princess. Right, princess okay. Eugenie. Yes. So it's not BBC. It's, it's also not even Channel 4. But it's institutionalized at this point, but it's not owned by the government would, or anything. I would liken it to TNT. Okay. Wow. All right. I was going to say more like, yeah, I guess TNT doesn't really do news because ITV does do news. That's this true. is like technically a news program, right. but it also does scripted like television entertainment sure. shows. Okay. Anyway, it was an hour long special recapping Harry and Meghan's recent tour through. Africa, and I believe, like, three to four, quote, Commonwealth countries yes. in Africa. They went to South Africa. We talked about it. They went to South Africa, Malawi, Angola, mm-hmm. um, I think Lesotho, a bunch of countries. Mm-hmm. Not all of them. They didn't go to the entire continent, no. <laughs> though the title may suggest that they did. Yeah. I did wonder a lot whether, like, Africa is not a country has made it to the UK not yet. I don't know. We're going to get into that a little bit more okay. when we talk about Harry's specific answers because okay. his sense of world geography and politics seems shaky. <laughs> his sense of a lot of things seems <laughs> shaky. So it was an hour-long special, and I would say 45 minutes of the hour. Well, you got to take out commercials. So It was 48 minutes without commercials. Yes. So three-fourths of the runtime was dedicated to the various— uh, charity events and um, appearances that Meghan and Harry yes. did on their tour and the issues that they're highlighting and the issues that these the countries that they visited are facing. It kind of was like the, the, the special was backdoored in as, as this is like a way to show us what their work is, but really it was kind of obviously being interpreted for reasons other than that because at the end, for like the final six minutes, basically Meghan just talked to the reporter whose name is David Bradsby, who did another documentary. Tom. Sorry, Tom Bradsby. I think that's his mm-hmm. name. Um, who did another documentary with Harry 15 years ago when he first started doing kind of his humanitarian work as an, an, a proper adult during his gap year before he joined the Royal Air Force and all that. So at the end, there's like this crucial six minutes where Meghan talks to Tom. Mm-hmm. And... It's the six minutes that a lot of people are talking about, but in some ways I found it to be like the least interesting part of the 
special. Yes, I think we have to talk about it because I think strategically it was a choice that she made in part of a larger choice that Meghan and Harry and the team advising them seems to be making about their um, public positioning. And their, yeah, their communications. But, and it is definitely, it was what was broken out on Friday and what people have been talking about all weekend. So it's certainly notable. We should talk about it. The Harry portions of this special which happened earlier. He's, yeah. He has an individual interview with Tom Bradsby as well, are fascinating. Yes. And I'm just going to go ahead and say not great. So to me, the biggest moment, which has gotten a lot of headlines in the UK, mm-hmm. is Tom asks him, is there a rift between you and your brother? Mm-hmm. Harry gives a long-winded answer in which he very clearly does not deny it. At all. He basically said, gives like the wishy-washy answer that you'd give about a friend with whom you're currently fighting where we'll always be there for each other. You know, things get difficult as you get older and your lives move in different directions, but we'll always be there for each other in the end. Right. So he basically says we're family and that's it. But he says we're on different paths and there, and he ends the answer by saying that there are good days and bad days. Yes. This is a colossal mistake in terms of... Colossal! What? Listen... There are a couple of things. There's the, the strategic thing, which is if you want the press and the public to nose out of your life, which Megan and Harry have made a like large point of saying, but the fuck out, that is in their entire press strategy. And in a lot of ways, the strategy of this special, which we'll talk more about. But if you actually want that, then you cannot use every opportunity to air your dirty laundry in public. It, it's completely true. Also, I presume, though I don't know, Harry and Meghan had final cut on this. I don't think that ITV was airing anything that they weren't happy with. And I have to assume that Harry and Meghan, if not, like, wanting it, were uh, at least okay with this making it into the special. I don't know about final cut, though. I wouldn't be surprised. I was thinking a lot while watching this about Princess Diana, not only because she is invoked frequently— in the special, sometimes to, like, really moving effect. Yes. And, you know, Harry does say, doing this job every day, the 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 flash of the photography reminds me of her in the worst way. And a lot of what I'm doing with regards to the media is in order to protect my family so that what happened to my mother doesn't happen to the rest of my family. That's all valid. Yes. That's, like, that's valid and that's effective. He does seem to have inherited Princess Diana's approach to the media more generally. And, you know, I cite the Tina Brown book all the time. It's really instructive if you're useful in this stuff. But there is specifically a really famous Diana interview that was on Panorama. It was with Martin Bashir. And you would, if you saw the still of it, you'd recognize it because it's her in a living room. And she's, like, wearing really heavy eyeliner. And it's the one where she says there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. It's like the most famous Diane interview. You can find it on YouTube. But according to the Tina Brown book, I don't think she had Final Cut, but she collaborated with the program and Martin Bashir kind of behind the press office of the palaces and was like instrumental in how it was presented and knew what she wanted to say but then kind of just handed off the power to someone else. This, it, this has the same feel to me. I, that's a good point. Yeah. And I guess also I don't want to, like, make ITV look bad. Because it's, it's, it's not really a great look for a network to allow the talent to have right. final cut. That's not something that you would really want. But you just have to imagine, because they do have a history of airing royal specials, they have some kind of arrangement where it's collaborative, if not. Absolutely. And I think there was a very deliberate, coordinated 
a strategy here between the inter- individual interviews. I think Harry and Meghan practiced. They knew exactly what they were going to say because they coordinated it also with the press release and the lawsuit that was done on the second to last day of the tour. Yeah. So this was all organized. And I think they knew when they did this special exactly what they would be saying. Right. And exactly how they would be portraying themselves. I mean, I thought Megan was really impressive in a lot of the interviews. And also, she was on Talking Points, fam. Yeah. And like, that is a really practiced, polished interview giver. And she had her notes and she hit them. She did a pretty good job. For the first, like, 25 minutes, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is, like, kind of dull, Mm -hmm. but interesting, I suppose. And basically, the interviews with with Harry and Meghan, first of all, they never speak together. They're always separate. Yeah. They're, like, kind of, um, it seems like it was wedged into the various appearances. So, Mm -hmm. like, Meghan has seven minutes. You may speak to her now and ask the question that you want to ask. Mm -hmm. And her answers always were tied to exactly what she was doing in that moment. So, Mm -hmm. like, when she was... It was usually she'd work in something about the place that she was with about the charity. She always mentioned there was a lot of optimism and hope. Mm-hmm. And she really focused on the same talking points we heard coming out in real time as they were on the tour. Harry, for all of her polish, was equally rough. And it was it was such a throwback to the Harry who I think Americans in particular have lampooned for a long time. Yeah. Hearing him talk about Africa made me cringe. Uh, I don't even know what else to say, but he referred to like his life's work. He kind of kept referring to like his life's work as if like everyone has a life's work. It, he just seemed more sheltered and privileged than ever, I think. If, I think so. If not, if not, you know, malicious. I don't think he's malicious at all, but he's just so like out of touch. He's, it's kind of insane. Seemed- to hear him talk about Africa is just incredibly offensive. As if first, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't make it like seem like it's just one place, but he doesn't seem to acknowledge anything except for like the poverty of it essentially right nor does he acknowledge his own ancestors role in anything that's happened on the continent which is like pretty glaring but whatever I agree I think that he in comparison to Megan does not come off well which is really interesting yeah because I think I don't agree with maybe all of the talking points that they have chosen both in that I have a bad reaction to them and I also think they'll backfire, but I think she delivers them really well. She is polished. She is, like, very intelligent. She knows where she is. And he looks kind of like a bumbling dodo next to her. there's been a lot of talk lately of where they're going to live and, like, will they stay in the UK? And one of the talking points before this, or one of the headlines before this actually aired was that Harry alludes to the fact that maybe they would live in uh, some one of the countries in Africa. Mm -hmm. If you watch this, he does not say that. His answer about like, would you consider living in South Africa is kind of horrifying. He's basically like, he basically says that while they love the country, the both the poverty and the tension between classes and races would be too much that they, they wouldn't be able to do their life's work, essentially, because of the various tensions that are a part of South African life. I think he says that they would take, the spotlight would be on them, and they would take away, and there would be, like, too much infrastructure and, you know, special privilege required (laughs) in order for them to be able to be there in a meaningful way, which is, like, possibly true, but also, you just don't want to get yourself into a situation where you have to be pointing that out, where that's the answer that you're giving. You're not helping. You also don't have to give that answer. Just say, no, our, you know, we live in the UK. It's where our duty is. No, I agree. It's, it's so, they open themselves up. It's a lot like Taylor Swift. They open themselves up to this criticism that they claim to think is really unfair. Right. And, but then they don't do anything to 
conclusively sway you in a different direction. Yeah, the thing, their consistent error to me is that they just make it all about them. And that is also the problem for me with the the Megan interview, which we should talk about, which yes. concludes it, which is that, you know, she says she's had a tremendous amount of a change. She's newlywed. She just had a baby, which is a really significant event emotionally, life structurally, and also physically, especially for a woman. All that's extremely valid. She lives in a brand new country, had a brand new job, a lot of attention on her. And it's a lot all at once. All of that is completely valid. And I think it's okay to say that in public, but then she just really decides to double down. And she even anticipates, I guess, with help from Tom Bradby, who asked the question of, you know, a lot of people would say you have a lot of privilege. This comes with a lot of support and things that other people don't have. And she's just like, yeah, and that would be fine if it were fair. But it's not fair. Yes, she keeps going on about fairness and justice. And I I don't really know what she's talking about. I really, as I texted you last night, I'm just kind of like, log off. Stop reading the comments. What are we talking about here ultimately? Because there is like, listen, if the tabloids are hacking into their life, which they probably are, that's illegal and they should sue them. And that's unacceptable. And racist coverage of these people is unacceptable. Endangering these people is like completely unacceptable. There is definitely an overreach with the tabloids. Like no one's arguing that. But also at the end of the day, it's just like people kind of saying mean things to you in public. You have not been seen more or less for a year. You have so much support in every way possible from raising a child to the literally $3 million that you accepted from the taxpayers in order to build your house. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. I also think that, um, Last night I was checking, you know, we were talking about kind of keeping track of what the British response to this is. And to talk about that kind of injustice and what she perceives as unfair, again, like, I agree with everything you just said. Like, if they are endangered, that's horrible. The racism is undeniable, and that's horrible. But England is going through a seismic shift right now, and Harry talks about... Africa as if the empire still exists. And it's like, dude, the political order of the world is basically being shaken up right now. And the Brexit is like being negotiated in real time. And to be so invested in like the quote unquote Commonwealth countries and his life's work completely separate from this incredibly seismic event that's happening at home was really, really bizarre. I can't think of worse timing. I completely agree. There was also a moment when when Megan says, to the point about things being unfair, it was like, it's fine, but when people are allowed to say things that aren't true, I can't think of anyone who would abide it. Um, Hello, the entire world is abiding that all the time with respect to our politicians on Facebook. What the hell are you talking about? I know. Someone said you were like mean or didn't, you weren't, public enough online in a newspaper. It doesn't matter. Don't read the comments. You and I know to not read the comments. And we have like one person commenting at us a year. Like, come on. (laughs) Don't read the damn comments and get a grip and have some perspective. I also think if they really wanted to be daring, they would comment on the more proximate issues. Not because I don't want to say the ones that they are working with aren't urgent and important. They absolutely are. But there are so many things happening in, in literally their backyard, like down the street that they don't even touch because that's so complicated. And so if Megan and Harry were really the sort of like maverick royals that they want to be, they would be more involved in in the Brexit stuff. They just would be. 
or at least issues that are larger than them that touch yeah. on the issues that they're talking about. You know, the first part of this special, the Harry and Meghan go to a, a program that is teaching young women literal fighting skills, self-defense yeah. skills in order to deal with the rampant domestic violence problem in South Africa, which is like a commendable, commendable effort. And then they finish this by being Megan just being like, well, as a woman, it's really hard because people say mean things to me online. Like that happens in the same hour. And all you have to do if you're really committed to these issues and this so-called work that you have like uh, commissioned an hour long TV program to feature, all you have to do is say, yes, it was very hard for me. But I have a ton of support, and the real issue here is all the women who don't have support and who are, you know, fighting to raise their ch- children as single mothers or who are dealing with domestic abuse. You know, all it takes literally one sentence to pivot to larger issues. Yeah. And then you're doing your job, and you're giving a platform to those things, and you'll win the upper hand because people are like, oh— They're just trying to help other people and people are saying mean things. There was a moment at the beginning where she is talking to Tom in sort of like uh, very unceremoniously kind of like runs off because she has to be involved in this event at one of the charities. And I thought that was a really nice moment in the beginning. I was like, oh, good for her. Like they're really prioritizing the events. He's just there like as a reporter, getting time when he can, taking it all in, whatever. And that's in such stark contrast to the end. And that was the beginning of the tour. This is at the end, end, on the second to last day when their statement goes up online Mm -hmm. and everything is when she gives the sort of the, the six minute interview to him. Right. And it's such a contrast in the beginning of a tour to the end that it's almost like, did we, did we sort of witness in real time, the like battering down of them as they're in, uh, you know, in public again or whatever. But it's just, I think you're right. Like they, they, they could modify things like 30%, modify their message 30% and things would be a lot better for them. It just feels so, so out of touch, like more than ever. Tremendously. And I think that that's going to backfire. Is, is I think you're already kind of seeing it in the tabloids, which, again, the tabloid coverage has been, like, deeply unfair, sometimes illegal, and often racist. Yes. Especially in the comments. Clean up your comment section, Daily Mail. But, and, and all of that is unacceptable, and we're not defending that in any way, shape, or form. But it is kind of, like, there are more rational minds being like, well— Wonder how the queen and all the other royal family members who also live in the public eye and do this all the time and manage to not whine in public and just make it about the good works that they do are going to respond to this. It's a great question. Yeah, so what happens next? Well, well, for one thing, they're taking a six-week vacation. Including, including to L.A. Did yes, this has been incredible that after all that, they're spending Thanksgiving in L.A., which is lovely, actually with Meghan Markle's mother and celebrating her American heritage. Shout out America, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's it's also complicated. But then they're, they're honestly, they're taking a six-week vacation for family time because it's been so hard for them. Are you... Uh, Listen, I'm also unbelievably privileged and have a ton of support. And I started getting populist rage reading this. I'm like, ma'am, are you serious? You've got the nicest house in the world. You have a, an unlimited staff and support, and you're getting a six week vacation. I think it's there being the royals that you would get in like a cartoon of, yeah. of royals, and it's just kind of disappointing because they they want to be so much more than that, and. You know, she just, she really is like an online princess, you know? Like, she speaks the language of people complaining on the internet. And she probably doesn't have enough, like, people around her to be like, I can put your phone down. And right. 
I think I think his set of issues, to the extent their issues at all, are just really different. I think it's they're an interesting couple because they they seem so so different to me. He seems a lot more based on on how he spoke in the special. I agree with you. It seems like she needs to log off. He seems like he needs to like go for some walks and and when it's not staged. And I say that because one of the like more moving moments is when he walks down this street that used to be completely rural and filled with landmines and is now right. developed. It's like it's a it's, really famous. It's where Diana famously walked. Diana. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's in Angola where she walked. I so, yes. Yeah, where she walked through the field where there were landmines to to sort of make a statement. Incredibly powerful. And so now he walks down the same street, which is really moving. And I'm sure that was moving for him as well. But it also was just really weird to watch. It was just sort of like Harry looking straight ahead, walking down this street, clearly with a camera crew and like a swarm of reporters and staff off camera. And it just, this sort of insularity of his life mm-hmm. was just so apparent that it kind of made me mad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think that he could use some therapy. I yeah. You know, I, talking about his mother's death, which is a, a real tragedy, and he is clearly still working through that, which is absolutely valid. Grief is real. And... I think the fact that he is reminded of it every day and the type of work he has to do is also tremendously valid. And that's like, that's a lot to unpack. It's interesting that he has chosen then to like run straight into it as opposed to building a life where he can kind of work with, work through those demons and work through that tragedy on his own terms. I mean, I have been thinking a lot about you and I always make this example of Ben Affleck gets photographed by the paparazzi every day and Matt Damon Does is not. never photographed by the paparazzi. And some of it is how you choose to live your life. And I think that's even true at the Royals because Prince Harry and Meghan Markle like go to Misha Nunu's wedding and they are they put themselves in situations where they get photographed and where they're covered in this way. And there are a lot of other royal family members who do not. Yeah. I will say today the press in England is really grabbing on to the Harry and William rift. Yeah. So I actually almost wonder if like they wanted that to divert, to divert some attention there or to like put some of it on William. I, I don't know. But that's kind of tw- almost 24 hours later. Mm-hmm. The news cycle has evolved to anonymous sources commenting on like how William feels about right. his brother. So <laughs> Which is just that he's quote worried, right? Yeah. Every, it's, I think they called also, him fragile, which, yeah. which I, I also use as an insult calling <laughs> calling someone fragile. So uh, it's interesting. I think that also that all the royal correspondents are kind of speculating on how the queen will respond. And they also use that. I think she'll be worried, which I guess is just code for they're all fucking livid, but can't say that in public because they're British. It's it seems it seems very plausible to me that Harry and Meghan will move to the U.S. and sort of um, self exit from the royal family. Yeah. Much like Queen Elizabeth's uncle. Um, Katie Weaver, who is a writer at the New York Times and has been on Jam Session several times, has a theory, which I believe she's put on, memorialized on Twitter, that Megan did not give up her American citizenship because they'll move back to the U.S. and Megan will run for office here mm. in the U.S. Oh, interesting. Which would be, you know, I, we've been very hard on her in this podcast. I, I think she seems like an intelligent, polished woman. I wish her the best. If I had to like pick someone to be on a life raft with me between Harry and Meghan, I'm 100% going Meghan. 100% <laughs> effective, accomplished, knows what she's doing, even if I don't always agree with all of her decisions. Great Northwestern grad. I just 
this is that's a level of celebrity in politics where I have to jump off the ship. Yeah. It's like we're on the life raft together and she can keep steering it and I jump into the water because it's too much. On a personal level, I feel I need to take a step back from Harry and Meghan because I don't want to dislike them and yeah. I don't want to dislike the royals. But I, the more I dig in, it's, it's hard, harder to justify. I think this was a real unforced error. I think that this could, they are not getting good advice and they could have spun this in a way that's just a total win for all of them. And then they go on their six week vacation. And now I think they're going on a six week vacation because no one's going to want to hear from them. Yeah. They should have just had it been a verite situation and they shouldn't, and they shouldn't have done interviews. Or all they should have said is, look, our feelings were hurt, but also we know that there are larger problems and we'd like to work on the larger problems. Yeah. I, that's all. That's all you got to say. It's one sentence. <sighs> Let's move on. Okay. On to happier times. Jennifer Lawrence, married. Congratulations to her. I hope that someone bought her the marble cheese platter with the teak because I, no matter what you say, I enjoy mine. I'm really rude. It's okay. Um, I want to thank Alyssa Bailey of L.com. She did a great blog post compiling all the news out of the wedding. And the headline is, all the best gossip from Jennifer Lawrence's wedding and reception. Great Alyssa, stuff. we see you. We appreciate you. We thank you. And now we're going to <laughs> review what you put into this blog post. So according to this post on L.com, here are the celebrities who were intended in attendance. Amanda, after I read the list, please grade it on based on Star Power. Okay, I also, I have a note that once you read them. Okay. Adele. Yes. Emma Stone. Yes. Amy Schumer. This is my note. Was she there? Shooms? Yeah. There's been no confirmation. And also, Sunday on Instagram, she like made a joke post about of being there. Of being there and then quickly deleted it. Oh. And I don't know whether that's because she wasn't invited. I'm just I'm just floating it. No one has seen her. It's not confirmed. Interesting. None of this is confirmed. Okay. Chris Jenner. Chris Jenner's she confirmed was because we she was photographed. She made sure to get photographed. <laughs> Corey Gamble, who is her, her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I just want to say the fact that they have lasted longer than basically any other couple in the Kardashian universe other than Kim and Kanye right. is incredible. Um, Ashley Olsen. Okay. Nicole Richie. Great. Joel Madden. Cameron Diaz. Benji Madden. Sienna Miller. And David O. Russell. Sienna Miller also confirmed because she was wearing yeah, a lovely red dress. Red. Yes, she was. Um, and Emma Stone was photographed and David O. Russell was photographed. David O. looks great. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's, you know, it's nice to have a working relationship with people, I guess. What letter grade would you give this based on star power? This is pretty good. I'm going A. I think you it's are. a straight up A. Yeah, because it's both, it has famous people like Adele and Emma Stone and Cameron Diaz but and Chris Jenner, but they're all people that Jennifer Lawrence is known to have personal relationships with. It's not just kind of like I'm inviting people famous people. It's not like, say, Misha Nonu putting Gail King at the first table. She got three recluses here. She got Adele. Yeah. She got Ashley Olsen and yeah. she got Cameron Diaz. Is Adele a recluse or is Adele just very smart at not living in the public eye? Ad- I, I think Adele's having a great time. I think Ad- she is too. Adele is living in London and LA and going to like weird tourist traps <laughs> and <laughs> buying multiple houses and just and in costume all the time. I think Adele is just very savvy. She's a Matt Damon. She knows how to not get photographed. I just love her. I okay. can't wait for more Adele music. Yeah. Um, I, I'm most impressed by Ashley Olsen. Okay. I didn't know they were friends. Um, Do you know that they're friends now? No. 
<laughs> but I can see it. I can see them like going okay. to restaurants in the West Village together. Okay. And I can see Ashley Olsen be an extension of like the art lifestyle Jennifer Lawrence is now aspiring to. Yeah, I was wondering whether it actually comes from the art, the art world. world side. Yeah, okay. I think I think it might. But I just think this is a really impressive guest list. Also sounds fun. I have developed a recent and also retroactive love for Cameron Diaz. I don't know why. I think when, ever since we did um, My Best Friend's Wedding on the Rewatchables, I've been rethinking her because I, I have a new appreciation for her her comic genius. Mm-hmm. And I just love Cameron Diaz now. I don't know where this came from, but now that she's retired, I'm a big fan. And I'm. she seems like a good wedding guest. She seems like a great hang. She yes. always seems to be in the fun places and yeah. never in any of the boring places. Also, the fact that she and Benji Madden are still married. And Nicole Richie and Joel Madden. These Madden bros must be stable, lovely influences. Not what I expected from Good Charlotte, but I'm I'm happily surprised. Great stuff. Okay, next. Apparently, it was very autumnal. The wedding had all the touches of fall with dark colored flowers, apples in baskets, and open fire spits roasting beef. All the food was prepared outdoors with wood roasted fish and heirloom roasted carrots and squash as part of the menu. Okay. I mean, this is this. I is, just want to say this f- is Pinterest bullshit. But live food your life. prepared outside in fall in Rhode Island, absolutely not. That food's definitely cold. Everyone had cold <laughs> food. I'm 100 percent sure of it. I don't need confirmation. Have you ever been to a food where there's like great hot a wedding where there's great hot food? Like you know? just in general, yeah. Where prepared you're prepared outside, where or you're just 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 in general, out. where you're like, wow, someone just made this just for me, and it was really good. Yeah. Um, hmm. One of my camp friends had family-style food at her wedding at the Metropolitan Warehouse in Long Island City. Okay. And that food was really good. Okay. We had family-style food at our wedding, and it was also very good, but I wouldn't say I felt like an I was a, an important guest at that event. <laughs> Maybe not the main event. That would have been my groomzilla husband. But, you know, I, I still didn't feel like someone had been, you know, roasting it just for me. So sure. uh, some of this is just natural to a wedding. Um, dark color flowers is not my vibe. Whatever. I actually kind of like that. I think it goes nicely with white. So I, I, I like that. It's just not my color palette, but to each his or her own. Sure. Okay. Um, Jennifer Lawrence wore a Dior gown. Her husband was in Dior tuxedo. Yes, that's because Dior pays her a lot of money every year to be the face of Dior. If she's not getting Dior for her wedding, like, what's the point? I, I, it must be contractual. I honestly, wonderful. it probably is, right? Don't you think if you're going to yeah. be the face of something, you have to wear Dior for they can't be like. Events? Dior spokeswoman Jennifer Lawrence wore a lovely Vera Wang gown for her wedding. That would be... Dior is also the better choice in that, but anyway. Definitely. After party went very late till 2 or 3 a.m. They played all the classics. Wedding basic. Who cares? Also, 2 or 3, not that late. I agree. For Jennifer Lawrence and this this crowd. You have to figure there are noise regulations in Rhode Island. Yeah, for sure. Even at a place like this. Yes, definitely. They probably had to move inside at a certain time. Yeah. She had food trucks at her reception. I'm sure this was like, you know, for the late nights. Boston's baddest burger food truck and mainly lobster. Eh, again, wedding basic, which is great. Sure. Loves a second meal. Everyone appreciates it. It's great. And everyone stayed at Gurney's Newport Resort and Marina. Gurney's also, uh, you probably know this if you're, I just feel like this is within our listener demo. I'm sure you're aware of the Gurney's and Montauk. Gurney's just has had such a come up thanks to Instagram. Oh, I don't know anything about Gurney's. Oh my god! Who is hanging out at Gurney's besides Instagram these influencer and like okay, people that's why I and don't like know people who it. go to that's a no for me. Who go to Montauk for the weekend but like don't have a house there? I've never been to Montauk, so I I don't know. But um, it's just like a thing. Like Gur- like Gurney's probably like approached them for this. Okay. Would be my guess. Yeah. Did you were you aware of? Um, remember back in June. 
that woman whose name was Marissa, I believe, who went on like the two-day international treasure hunt for her engagement with her um, fiance. Oh, and then it was SpawnCon? Yeah, it turned out to be SpawnCon. She made a stop at Gurney's part okay. along the way. That sounds right. Yeah. I'm. I, there's a reason I don't know about Gurney's I'm learning is because I've walled myself off from people like this. But anyway. I, I uh, Over the summer, I dedicated about four hours to catching up on that whole saga. Okay. <laughs> in one afternoon. And now I know all about it. Okay. Um, Jennifer Lawrence's wedding. Sounds like it was good. I'm honestly impressed by her guest list. This was more than I expected. And I think the combo of Adele, Ashley Olsen, Cameron Diaz, and Kris Jenner is really powerful. That's a, that's a celebrity powerhouse right there. Can we also just shout out the person who started the totally unsubstantiated and probably entirely in false rumor that Adele performed her new single for the first time at Jennifer Lawrence's wedding? That didn't happen. No. Until until I get video of that happening, that didn't happen. But I love, it's an inspirational rumor. Congratulations. Great vision from you. I, I would be absolutely devastated if Adele premiered a song at Jennifer Lawrence's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what I want for Adele. Why? <laughs> Why would you be devastated? Partially because my relationship to Adele is so much through radio. Like, I remember listening to a full-on live stream of 21, like, in the car in San Francisco. Are you prepared for that to change? Well, now it'll just be through Spotify. Okay. But it's like, this is not for one person. Adele, one of the reasons she's so wonderful is because she's for the masses. She's not, like, for Jennifer Lawrence, and that would just really upset me. I agree with that. It also does, I think, probably once a month about how Ellie Goulding performed at... Prince William and Kate Middleton's royal wedding, and that's who she is for, for now, for all time. She's made some good music, but she'll just always be the one-hit wonder who performed at the royal wedding. We don't want that for Adele. I just can't. I, I'm like getting upset right. thinking about okay. it. Okay, all right, it's about fine. it. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> um, Amanda, tell us about Raphael Nadal's wedding. Raphael Nadal got married. It's very exciting. Uh, his wife's name is Mary. They've been together for like 13 years. I don't know. Teenage sweethearts. Beautiful. Um, and what are they, what's their residence? Barcelona, Mallorca. He's oh. from Mallorca. Yeah. Mallorca. So they got married. Jealous. They got married in Mallorca. And it looked really lovely. They posted some photographs. All that's great. I was just very disappointed that Roger Federer wasn't there. Granted, they're like rivals and not friends, but they're those types of rivals that have developed like a relationship over time. Also, as we know, Roger Federer goes to everybody's wedding. I know. He was like legit David Foster's wedding. Yeah, like Pippa Middleton's wedding. Uh, but we figured out why he was at David Foster's wedding. Because Aaron or Sarah Foster's married to Tommy Haas. Yes. And Tommy Haas and Roger Federer are friends. Anyway, congratulations to them. I would have liked for it to be more of a tennis scene. I really feel that that's what tennis needs right now is a really big celebrity tennis wedding. But do they have any kids? No, not that I'm aware of. How old Rafa these days? 30, He's 33. Got it. All yeah. Right. Cool. Congratulations to them. Looks very beautiful. Truly congrats to them. Final story of the week. This comes to us from page six. So frequently doing great work. Jake Gyllenhaal saves giant Dalmatian in the middle of busy New York City intersection. Jake Gyllenhaal is currently on Broadway in Seawall, A Life, which I saw, which is good. And uh, apparently uh, he was walking in the West Village and he spotted an enormous Dalmatian standing terrified in the middle of a busy intersection. And according to an eyewitness, the dog was on a leash but had gotten away from its owner who was too small to control the bulky beast, which the spy estimated to be about three feet tall. There's a photo of the Dalmatian. I wouldn't say it's three feet tall, but it's a large dog. 
And Jake Gyllenhaal looks like the Jake Gyllenhaal of the Kirsten Dunst era in this mm-hmm. photo. He's wearing a beanie. To be honest, I love Jake Gyllenhaal. Ever since I learned about his love for Sean Paul, I, it's made me really like him even more. It's been a real renaissance for him in the last six months. Absolutely. And so anyway, he saved the dog and the woman was really happy. And Jake Gyllenhaal is maybe in the running for best New York celebrity right now. What else you got to support that? Um, that he yelled at someone for their cell phone going off in the middle of his play. That's good. That's, That's a valid. good one. Yeah. Just the entire Spider-Man press tour. Tremendous stuff. And I just loving his vibe. He does finally seem to be at peace with himself, or at least the public performance version of himself. He seems to have separated the two, and so he could be a Dalmatian saver by day and an Instagram celebrity by night, and it works out. And it's important to have that division between your public self and your personal self, as certain other people featured on this podcast have yet to learn. (laughs) That's a great note to wrap things up on. And also, you know what? That's a great note for you at home, okay? (laughs) Everybody, boundaries are important in all walks of life. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back on our regularly scheduled Wednesday of next week and keep listening to Ringer Dish for more celebrity and pop culture commentary all week long. 